Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Wow. I don't think I ever remember having this many adults on a Friday night on BBS. But we are indeed excited. Sir. I didn't turn the air conditioner on until I got here. So, <laughs> normally wouldn't have it, but it's going to cool down. Again, thank y'all for being here tonight. Amen. Amen. Taking off. Now, I know we got some mics out of the night, so if y'all got some comments, you make sure you bring them up. And I thank God for Sister. Karen Brooks, who, you know, asked a question last night, a word that uh, was in a different version that she didn't understand. She seek, she sought wisdom. So, uh, you know, I want you guys to do that as well. Amen. Y'all ready to take flight? Okay. My wife is in the back. We all wonder where she is. She's trying to get things ready for the final snacks. Hopefully she'll be here before we end. We're thankful. Just bow with me for a moment. Father, your word gives life. We're talking about by faith. <coughs> recognize one of Paul's letters to the Church of Romans says, Faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we thank you so much, God, for the faith that we have gained these two nights. We pray it will continue tonight. And I thank you for these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you are taking notes, there's something I want you to write about the uh, the series tonight about being led by the Holy Spirit. So we can kind of get a an idea of His purpose. The Holy Spirit does not lead us to conformity. The Holy Spirit leads us to conviction. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit does not lead us to conformity. The Holy Spirit leads us to conviction. And by that conviction, then we should conform to the will of God. Now, now, now my purpose in, in saying that is sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to do some things that is not really his job, it's our job. His job is to convict us, even convict the world through us, of sin, and then we're supposed to recognize. See, one of the dangers in teaching a course like this is people will, will get to the point where they think that I don't have a relationship with God because it's like what Paul said in chapter 7 of Romans. I know what to do, but I keep doing the same thing, which is not what I know I'm supposed to do. What has happened here is the Holy Spirit has convicted you. And that conviction, the first thing that conviction needs to lead to is repentance. Or let me put it this way, confession. That what the Holy Spirit is, is, has convicted you of is right and just. And then we have some choices. Some of the choices is the fact that we really don't want to do it. And we don't want to be changed to do it. That conviction ought to fall on us more heavily, but it's kind of like wearing shoes that's too tight, that's uncomfortable. Eventually you will develop a callus and become hard. 
to it. I want, want to get that out of the way. And again, the Holy Spirit's job is not to make us to conform. It is to convict us so that we will take action to conform. One of the things that we're going to do tonight, we're going to do part two of the ouch test. Before we get to our lesson tonight, by way of review. We talked about this light. The old nature, which gravitates towards the physical, is in constant conflict with our new nature that elevates toward the spiritual. Therefore, the leading of the Holy Spirit most often will not be something that pleases our fleshly mind. Y'all got that? Once you get that, because we're we going somewhere with it. I'm going to say it again. Most often than not, the leading of the Holy Spirit is going to be something that don't please our flesh. In other words, it's going to be something that we don't want to do. Now, if the Holy Spirit leads us to uh, uh, do something that's pleasant and all that stuff, we are more apt to do it. But that's not really what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to convict us about some things that we don't want to do. And I'll give you some biblical examples. And again, this is part two of the ouch test. Y'all ready? All right. But again, I want you to remember one thing. The Holy Spirit's job is not to change you. It's to convict you so that you will have eventually a desire to want to change. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you. I don't know why I had that thing up earlier today. Hold on, man, because I really want you all to hear this. Uh. Okay, you bring the level of that bar up. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Now I want y'all to get this. Now where is this coming from? What biblical reference is this? Luke. So we, we acknowledge that this is the Bible, right? So if it's the Bible, it's the word of God and it's true. Now I want you to notice where it says. It says you are blessed when people hate you. How many of y'all really want people to hate you? None of us. But what does it say? When you find somebody to hate you, remember last night when we talked about the comparison of, of, of love versus hate? When we find people to hate us, how many people are say, hallelujah? How many of us rejoice? And notice where it said, leap for joy. Now, when you know somebody don't like you, what's your normal reaction? I'm talking to y'all. We'll okay. just stay away from them. Okay, like yeah, them. that's like one. Me, I ain't gonna be bothered with them either. Okay, Nikki. Um, I said it depends on who it is because I wouldn't care if it's someone that I don't know or doesn't impact my life at all. Okay, Linda. It don't feel good at first, and sometimes you get that initial shock, especially when you know you haven't done. Okay. You know, wrong towards them. It, initially, it's a shock, uh, and it hurts. It, it hurts. It, yeah, and one term that my wife used, you will learn to feed that person with a long handle spoon. You don't really want to be around But the Holy Spirit is telling us today, rejoice. Leave for joy. Especially, and I, I listen to, to, to Karen and her, her balance at school. You know, because of her faith. Notice what it says. On the count of the Son of Man. Whenever somebody attacks you verbally, attacks your character because you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit says, rejoice! And we say, hot to mighty. No. Lord, I'm thankful. How many of y'all do it? 
This is the word of God. This is, these are the words of Jesus telling us what we ought to do. And since the Holy Spirit comes uh, to in us, which is Jesus in the Spirit, somebody tonight ought to be convicted. Don't get quiet on me now. <laughs> you know, and Pastor, sometimes that will cause other people to change. They, they see, well, why is he doing that? And I'm persecuting that rascal. You're correct, Brother Morgan. If we would do what the Holy Spirit is leading us, but see, one other thing is knowledge. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to rejoice when somebody hate me. I thought I was supposed to hate him back. Okay. Any ouches out there? Well, guess what? Get your band-aids out. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Ouch. Where is this coming from? Is Luke not in the Bible? Is it not the word of God? These are words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And he says, so as all, listen. Those who hear, listen. Love your enemies. Now I want y'all to look at the word. We got love. We got good. We got blessed. We got pray. We got offer. We got do not behold. We got give. Give. And then we got do not demand something back. These are things that the Holy Spirit is working on each and every one of us to do. <coughs> and what we have to do is realize that conviction ought to set in. And you know what? When you reject this, that's conviction. And oftentimes you say, I'm not going to do that. No, that ain't right. What you being, you being convicted, you just, what you're doing now, you just resisting the Spirit. Now, if you can do it with no reaction, as we were talking about this morning, Rob, you don't give a darn, then perhaps you ain't saved. But when you hear the word of God and the spirit of God begins to deal with you, it is trying to convict you not to conform you, but let you know, listen, you are falling short in this area. Words like, I ain't there yet. I'm still growing. They ain't cutting it with God. What you need to say is, I'm sorry. Now, here's, here's, here's the issue. When you get to the point where you say, I know it's right, but I don't want to change. You can't grow in the Lord. Morgan? Pastor, that, like you say, that is the word of God. And if we believe in the God that we say we believe in, we got to believe in this here. I was coming up, I, I, I had a good friend, and his oldest brother couldn't stand me. And and we go to a party somewhere, and he shows up, and he wants to fight. And I know if I beat him up, I had to beat my friend up. So I would leave. And then things would come to my mind. I said, well, let's, let's I, I don't, I, you know what uh, catfish bait is. That stinky, stinky. Yeah. I saw to get some of that and put it in his car. And the, and the Holy Spirit jumped on me right then. And then I started praying, okay, I'm sorry. I don't, don't want to do that. I don't do that. So those things you got to really take and put in your heart and, and, and live by them. But it takes time. It, you know, so First thing you got to do, Brother Ron, you got to acknowledge that you're wrong. That you're wrong. God, I know what your words say. Well, I really don't want to do it. And you have to get to the point where you're willing to pray, change me. Work on me. But see, we stop right there because we don't want to change and we will not change. And, 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 and y'all look, let's look at this again. You talking about love your enemies and do good to them? Now, I love my enemies from afar. Do good to them to hate you? What does do, do good means? 
means that if you're a supervisor and you got somebody to hate you and you write an evaluation, you give them what they deserve, not what they deserve. Y'all get the difference? Bless implies to make happy. To show favor toward those who curse you. Now, it says pray for, not pray about, those who abuse you. You're praying for their well-being. And here's the, the tough part. Now, we're not looking at this from a physical point, but Jesus was. Because in that culture, if you wrong somebody, they had the right to hit you one time on the cheek. Jesus said, go ahead and turn the other ones. You also could uh, uh, use as collateral somebody's coat, but you're supposed to give it back at nighttime. So if somebody take your outer garment, give them your inner garment also. This is a Jewish culture that was dominated by Roman uh, authority, and, and Roman may do that. Give me, give me your, your, your outside coat. But Jesus said, give him the other two. Give to everyone that beg from you. Now, we all got issues with this, though. How many of y'all see panhandles all the time? He ought to get a job, shouldn't he? Ain't that some of our thoughts? Yeah. But you know what happened to me, Nikki? I begin to look at, except for the grace of God, that could be me. Amen. I know a guy in Atlanta that's uh, out there on Wesley Chapel Road. That is his job. This guy made up to $1,600 a week out there on the corner where people come off the interstate and there's so much traffic. You can't just go past. Two dollars here, five hundred dollars. He make sixteen hundred dollars a week. Don't have to pay no taxes. And they know, they know this guy. They run him off here once in a while. So in our mind, what do we say? I ain't giving them nothing. How many of you ever loaned something to uh, to somebody? Some money. And that's why I don't do that anymore. Because if you lend it, that means they're supposed to pay it back. And when they don't pay it back, do you remind them? Do you demand it back? Again, how did I start this lesson? The Holy Spirit is not trying to conform you. He's trying to convict you. And that conviction should lead, number one, to confession and hopefully to repentance and then conformity to the will of God. Now, all these things, I want you to think about Jesus. Who did he die for? For God so loved the world, die for everybody. Did that include some enemies? During his persecution, trials, did he get cursed? What did he do on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Did not he offer his body? Did not he give them everything he had? And what is he demanding? Us to respond. Deacon Walker. Pastor, Pastor Dave, just going back to about, you know, loving your enemies and also, you know, uh, the ones that wrong you, I think in a lot of sense that we look at ourselves as being the victim, and as the victim for every situation, we want justice. And when you want justice, you remove that you're not doing it for them, and it's not about you. It's about being being true to God's word and obeying God instead of being the, saying I'm the victim of everything. I'm just doing it because God would want me to do it. Right. And I think that's where we kind of get where we spread away because we're the victim all the time. You know, we need to be careful when, you know, about this justice and because of our ethnic background, we, we, we are people of justice. But there's a song somewhere that says, justice demanded that I should die. Mm -hmm. So, so if, 
if God was just toward us, we wouldn't be on our way to heaven. So we have to keep all that in mind. Again, that's that conviction. And coming to the point where we need to say, nah, I ain't there yet. Well, I'm still growing, but I'm wrong. I am wrong. Don't like it, but I'm wrong. Sister Brooks. Well, let me just, let me throw this out there. Your mind—that's a battle. And sometimes you think things. You might not say them, but you think them. Right. So how do you? The Holy Spirit convicts you and say, "You know, you shouldn't be thinking." How do you work that? Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transform. How? By renewing of your mind. Now, how do you renew your mind? You continue to stay in the word of God. You stay open to the Holy Spirit. You confess the fact that you are wrong and you pray for him to begin a work in you to change you. And as Ron has said, this is a process. You're not going to get up off your knees and say, Holy Spirit, change me. In most cases, then you're going to get up a changed person. It's a process. And when that process takes place, you may not even know that you've been transformed. Uh, that particular thing does not matter, Moria. A lot of times you just have to, have to tell yourself, it's all right to pass through, but don't let it sit in there and fester and, and nurture it and, and, and those things. Well, you're supposed to let that stuff keep going because of what the Word's saying. And like I said, you continue to stand the Word, continue to feed yourself. The Holy Spirit will come down to your aid and bring all that stuff back to you to remind you that you're not supposed to let that stuff. We have all kind of stuff like that going through our True, mind. true. But I want you to just think about what I said. First thing, you've got to admit you're wrong. So that means that you're saying, I'm not perfect in this area. I need changing. You have, you have to get to that point. Because if you start to justify it, you start making excuses for it, you're going to sit right there, Ron. It's going to stay in your mind when you start making excuses about whatever you're doing. So you're absolutely right. You have to get it out. But it starts with the fact you got to say something like, this should not be in my mind, Lord. Help me to get rid of it. Jeremy? I'm glad uh, Ms. Brooks said that because last night when you was talking about the ouch, I was like, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. You know, anything that was on the list. But now I think it, you know, I have thoughts. But I look at it that I die daily in the, in the flesh because I'm in the flesh. And I look at it, I die daily. I go back to God and say, change me, you know, because, yeah, my mind still could go that way. Sure. But I, my actions, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, and, and so it was a good thing she said that because I was thinking that all last night when you was going down the ouches. It's not so much action as it is attitude. So, you know, again, Romans 12 and 2, you've got to be a renewing of your mind. It's got to be transformed. It's got to be a switch that's, that's switched from AC to DC. That's what a transformer does. And in this case, from the old nature to the new nature. Okay, those, those are two things, or two passages of Scripture that I want us to look at when we think about it again, going back. The Holy Spirit' purpose is not to conform you, it's to convict you. And that is the lead. When you feel conviction, then it's up to you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Master, what would you want me to do? And he's going to tell you right there in my word. In my word. Okay, Father, I am not doing that. Help me to bring this out. And there's another scripture say, he who began a good work in you shall complete it. Yeah. So he's going to work it out. You may not recognize it, but you, you're going to have to be willing to let that thing go. Now, I want to talk about one thing you talked about last night, Jeremy, because you say you're not doing those things anymore. Remember, a lot of those were not action. They were attitude. Forgiveness, for instance. You can mouth it all day. I forgive you, but have you really? Is there something on the inside that, that, that you 
really, a person has hurt you so much, you really don't want to forgive and you feel justified in not forgiving them. Karen, one of the ways that you do this, you have to realize how much God has given you. And again, Morgan, it's about believing God's word. Because it says this, if you have not forgiven someone, then God cannot forgive you. Do you believe it? Yeah. See, I want to be forgiven. So I said, Lord, I want to be forgiven. So work on me so I can let this person, that it can be, they can be forgiven in my mind. It all boils back to that word, and that's the conviction. And then you have to believe it. Okay. We're moving from that to something else that's related. And when we talk about Holy Spirit influence worship. We do a lot of things in the name of worship. And notice I say in the name of worship. But it's not the worship that God called for. There are several words in the uh, Bible in all three of the biblical language, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, that's translated in our English Bibles as worship. The most familiar one is a word called proskuno. Proskuno is a word that means to lie prostrate. Lie completely down. Get as low as you can. And the purpose behind that, when you get low as you can, what's above you is much higher. So the essence of that is really uh, a name we have for God called El Elyon, the most high God. You are lowering yourself to elevate God. Now, when you're talking about worship in the purest sense, if you're going to talk about worship, you're going to have to get on. We're going to have to actually completely lie flat. The other word is to bow. Bow as you bowing to someone in a high authority. One of the connotations of the word is a dog that licks a master's hand because he recognizes that hand is the one that feeds him. So, so, the, the, the idea behind worship overall, people, is total surrender of one's will. Now, when we come here on Sunday morning, is that our attitude? Totally surrender our will to God by recognizing our position, which is low, compared to his position, which is high. Now, all this other stuff we do about worship... That's for us. It ain't for God. According to the Gospel of John, God desires his people to worship him. But worship must be in spirit and in truth for it to be acceptable to God. What y'all think about this because a lot of this stuff we're doing ain't worship and it ain't something for God. Make make us feel good, but it ain't, it ain't it ain't going nowhere. The Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of Truth. His acceptable worship must be influenced by the Holy Spirit in communication with our spirit. This is the lesson that the Samaritan woman learned from Jesus. At Jacob's well. Jesus and the disciples were on their way to, to Galilee. Normally, they would take the longer route to avoid going through Samaria. The Bible said, though, he must go through Samaria. So this was something that Jesus purposed to do. As they approach a well-known area known as Jacob's well, Jesus became tired because he'd been preaching and teaching, and it was a long journey from Judea to Galilee. And when the disciples went ahead to the city of Sychar to buy food, 
Here comes a woman to get some water. Strange things about this, this was in, in the middle of the day. Women came to get water early in the morning before it got hot. They came in groups. You've probably seen some with uh, big containers they had on their head. Her reputation wasn't the best, so she came alone. And when Jesus saw her, Jesus spoke to her, which was unusual. He said, give me a drink of water. Since the Jews and the Samaritans didn't associate with yourself, the woman was shocked. And they began the long conversation. And Jesus challenged her about her lifestyle. Told her, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have one. He said, you're right. You don't have five, and the man you're living with right now ain't yours. And then she responded. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. The Samaritan and Jews both worshipped the same God, Yahweh, or Jehovah. The conflict was over the place of worship. The Samaritan was a mixed breed because of a, a uh, split in the, in the kingdom. They went toward the, uh, another group and they intermingled. They had Jewish backgrounds uh, and they believed in God, but Jews did not accept them. But each one of them believed in the same God. So the issue was where they worshiped. Each group believed that where they worship was just as important as who they worship. Can you think about that? They were hung up on places, not a person. Samaritan argued that their temple, located in Mount Gerizim, was authorized by Moses. Samaritan believed that Gerizim was a place that Fulfill the prediction of God's dwelling that's recorded in Deuteronomy 12 and 5. It was called the mountain of God's blessing. Jews held that since Solomon had been commissioned to build a temple in Jerusalem, that the center of worship would be located there. That controversial concerning the place of worship was endless. And believe it or not, to some degree, it still continues today. Can we think about this a minute? See, it's not only sometimes the place of worship, it's the day of worship. We got some people right now that will not set foot in church on Sunday. We got some people that will argue down that the true Sabbath, which is Saturday, is the day that we should worship. And because of that, there's division. Because we are not focusing on who, but we're focusing on places and we're focusing on days. That being said, is it okay to party all day on Saturday and Sunday and then all of a sudden on Sunday say, this is a holy day. So I can't do that. How many of y'all were raised up like I was? Certain things you just didn't do on Sunday. You do, you, you, you do all your cooking, ain't right, honey? Do all that cooking on Saturday. Do the ironing on Saturday. You don't do it on Sunday. There are a lot of people believe the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, is the Sabbath, too. But was it okay for us to act like the devil on Saturday? Or Friday night? Amen. See, we deified the day that represents the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it ain't about the day. It's about the person who rose on that day. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, 
for salvation is from the Jews. After somewhat of a conversation about the place of the worship, and her putting her point in about this is where we worship and y'all worship there. <laughs> Notice what Jesus said. Jesus elevated this issue of worship beyond just a mere location. The Samaritan worship was confused. They had accepted a blend of foreign deities with the ancestral God of the Jewish faith. So the Samaritan didn't really know what they worshiped. Because it was a blend. The worship of the Samaritan was not authorized by God. It had been invented by man and carried on without the sanction of the word of God. Let me go back and kind of give you something. When the kingdom split, the kingdom, I believe it was Jeroboam, didn't want the people to go to Jerusalem. So he built his own temple so that people wouldn't go back to Jerusalem. So it was invented by man and was carried on without the sanction of God. This was not the case with the worship of the Jews. God has set apart the Jews, people, Jewish people as his chosen earthly people. He had given them complete instruction on the way to worship him. The tabernacle. When he had Solomon built the temple, he gave them specific instruction on how they were to worship him. They also had knowledge pertaining to salvation. They had the sacrificial system that dealt with their sins and they had circumcision that gave them a covenant relationship or a sign that they belong to Jehovah. That being the case. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I want y'all to really get one point out of this passage because it's been misquoted so many times. You hear it like this. God is a spirit. Look at that. That's not what it says. It's a God of spirit. His very essence is spiritual. When Jesus took on, the word of God took on human flesh, that was to identify with us. But God is spirit. There is no way we can worship him other than through our spirit. All the other things we may do, if it's not motivated or elevated through our spirit, it's in vain. It says must worship him in spirit, not in flesh, and in truth, not polluted. That being in mind, does worship make you feel good? It should. But what part of you feel good? Do, do, do your flesh feel good? Let's get something as simple as devotion. How many of y'all are old school? Hey, 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 child. How I many that just really just goes to you? How I many you are new school with the praise songs? The praise dances and all that. What part of you feels good? Remember when we talked about Prescuno? What makes you surrender and lower? Is it the way of song? Or even better yet, who sings it? Brother, Brother Joe, uh, I remember when I first got into the Baptist church, when they knew a certain deacon was going to lead devotion, everybody was up there on that front row because this brother could sing Brother Head in, in uh, uh, One Robin. That man was a hamster and everybody knew it and everybody wanted him to sing. 
But he sung the same words as the other deacons. The words didn't change. Y'all get my point? Choir members that said, that's my song? Who's preaching today? That ain't in truth. That's in feelings. Amen. While the Jews may have worshipped in the right place, they did not necessarily have the right practice. Y'all hear me now. Their worship was confined to rituals, rites, days, and ceremony. They were basically outward appearance or outward physical activities. In many ways, they worshiped these activities instead of the one that it represents. What do we do here every first Sunday? We have communion. It is to remember the price of our salvation. But you can get to the point where it can become an idol. If you're more concerned about what you're drinking, what you're eating, than what it represents. Karen. Ago about the singing of the song, but sometimes it's just the way they sing it, you know. Like my husband was saying, a guy might be you might be you no know, two guys, one might say the same thing, but it's the way that other one said to get you. <laughs> it gets what? It gets what? What about you? It gets it's pleasant to your ears. Now, if I sit up here and say, a charge to keep, I have a God to glorify. Did you get it? A never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. See, a lot of these songs I didn't learn until I began to just hear them without the music. Because I was so hung up on the way it was sung. Sister Clark. I remember when we was in the old sanctuary when you was talking about the order of the spirit and how stuff got out of order with Adam and Eve, uh, that we have to be led. And I know that's what you're teaching on, your, your spirit uh, leading about how God intended it from the beginning. And then, you know, all our emotions are in our, in our flesh. And sometimes it's not that you're not... Uh, understanding the word and have the meaning of the word, but I know we have to get, I'm going to talk about me, have to get myself in order to let the spirit uh, lead me to get past, and I know you probably didn't mean it this way, certain sounds, because certain people when they, I don't even want to go. I I meant it that way. You have mm-hmm. you really have to act your spirit yes. to, to get you past certain things because I want to focus on you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want y'all to misunderstand me. I love them old hymns. I mean, I sing them to myself quite a bit. Because there are some of these modern songs that I can't understand the words they're saying. And I'm not talking about the hip-hop. I'm talking about just some of the regular songs. So I have to a lot of time Google them and get up and say, okay, let me look at the words. Because a lot of this stuff I might not want to sing. And we had, I know when Jeff was teaching, we had, we had a conversation about the fact should I sing songs that I ain't living? Yeah. With the hope that she's going to live. But see, when I, when I hear stuff like that, that tells me that somebody's been convicted. I love you, Lord, and I live my heart. Well, do you love it? And that song says, I love you more than anything. At that moment, you might. If you think about what you're singing, at that moment you might. But if you just saying words because it said words, and I got a bad habit because, uh, you know, I like singing. 
And I, I, I used to sing with a group when I was in Atlanta, so harmony is my thing. A lot of times when songs are being sung, I'm not concentrating on the words. I'm trying to find a key that makes it harmonized. And I have to catch myself. I guess the way you want the Lord took my voice. So I don't have to, especially when the men are singing. I'm going to try to get that tenor part right down here in this front row. Say, I wish I had my mic so I can bring it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see you, Claire, laughing, Claire. <laughs> but are we really focusing on what's being said? Are we focusing on a prayer? Or we really want this person to hurry up and just sit down? Fix me, Jesus. We got we got to get away from these activities. I mean, I've seen things about communion glass ain't right. They drinking real wine. They ain't drinking real wine. Oh. Jesus told the woman that true worshipers are those who worship in spirit and in truth. Not fleshly, not polluted. And he says something important. God is seeking such people. The word seek has the idea of to desire and to require. God desires for people to say is here. God not only wants this type of worship, he demands this type of worship. You think, you think God is concerned about how wonderful someone sings a song? You know who was the greatest singer of all? Lucifer. That was why he was created. The Bible tells us he had instruments inside of him. Is he impressed with Lucifer singing? Singing better than any of us? Not in the least. Somebody like the old woman said, come on in my room. Jesus is my doctor. Writes out all of my scriptures. Give me all my medicine in my room, if it's from the heart. Okay, what does in spirit and in truth mean? No sham. No hypocrisy. Don't be fooling yourself. No pretense about being religious. We have to say the right word, praise God. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah, at the right time. Coming up in the church of God in Christ, if you didn't say it this way, your testimony wasn't nothing. Giving honor to God, who's the head of my life. You had to say that. That was the start of your testimony. And at the end, you would always say, and pray my strength in the Lord. That made you seem like you were religious. Not a series of rituals, even if God has instituted those rituals, like communion. It's not based on that. Just because we do it. Joe, if we didn't have anything in here but a loaf of colonial bread and some Kool-Aid, and we broke the bread and gave it to somebody, we still haven't given it. We ain't got to have it in these sterilized now cups because some people won't drink it the old way anymore. It's not based on that. Go ahead, Mike. You know, uh, that used to worry me about when we do communion and we can't get it right, per se. And I was leading here one Sunday, and I said, Lord, help us to get that right. He said, you're worrying more about the way you're doing it instead of why you're doing it. Amen. And I said, thank you. Thank you. So it ain't about it. Now, now, Joe and the deacon worked very hard, along with the usher, trying to get things 
Right. But then sometimes when people don't, for, you know, for reason don't show up, we can't do it. Perhaps the right, and he had to go around. I know Sunday he was saying something about it. it ain't about that. Do you remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection? Do you remember what it means? And again, like I said, maybe one day we ought to do it. Just get some bread and some Kool-Aid. about where it represents. Let me give you some historical information. The reason that most churches don't serve real wine came as a result of a, of a culture change. In the 1920s, there was a great revival Rome, where a lot of people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, were saved, right off the street. And many of those street people had a problem with alcoholism. But they were on fire for the Lord. They came into the church on fire for the Lord. And once a month, we were asking those people who God had miraculously delivered from alcoholism to go back and do the same thing they used to do, to drink alcohol. And a lot of people felt convicted because they felt like, look, God don't deliver me from this, and the very smell makes me want to go back to what I used to do. So the church fathers of that day made a decision we're going to serve something from the fruit of the vine that hasn't been fermented. Now, there are a lot of churches, like my Ephraim in Atlanta, our good friend, Dr. R.L. White. We would go up there and do a serve for him. And a lot of people, when we went up there, uh, after the first couple of years, said, they serve a real wine. So I would have to warn people before we left, look, they serve real wine. If you're offended by it, don't drink it. But them same people end up saying, what y'all doing is not biblical. Jesus took wine. So not a series of rituals. We don't have to wear white gloves. We don't wear the white gloves no more, do we? We used to wear white gloves. And a lot of people, ooh, he ain't got no gloves on. Worshiping spirit and truth means a broken and contrite spirit. You recognize that when you enter into the worship center, you don't deserve to be a child of God. And that's going to lead you to something. When you recognize who you are and you are broken in spirit, you surrender, you start to confess him. God, I ain't worthy. I ain't worthy. Then next thing you do, you repent. Change me, Lord. And next thing you do, you thank him through praise and worship. That's what spirit and truth is about. None of these things are possible unless there is a spirit of surrender, which leads to the spirit of submission to the Holy Spirit. Is the worship not influenced by music? Not motivated by prompting and priving? Not forced by shame or elevated because of human performance? You know what... Bugs me. When somebody who is high in the spirit, or at least they think they are, start to prompt and priming those who are not. You know what that does? That breaks the fellowship. You have to get to the point, it ain't about other people. It's about God. And in fact, if we all have his spirit, at a particular time, our spirits are to join in surrender. And how we react to a particular uh, facet of worship is a personal matter. Amen. Maybe some of y'all will cry. Some of y'all will get up and stand up. And some of you will wave your hand. But something ought to happen inwardly that is expressed out. Remember, proscuno means to low, lay flat down. And I venture to say, if the Holy Spirit laid someone to do that, they are not going to do it because they're ashamed. All right, Dave. God is not pleased with worship that does not focus completely on him. On who? Him. On who? Him. 
So if I come in on Sunday morning, I get upset because the air conditioning didn't come on. I get upset because certain people are in place that I thought they ought to be in place, that my mind is not really focused on him. The devil knows this. So the devil will do things, or I should say anything, to make our focus wander on other things. This is especially true when it comes to corporate worship on Sunday morning. How many of y'all, when y'all begin to get up and you can't find the right tie, can't find your stockings, you can't find what you thought you were going to wear, what you put on is either too little or too tight. <laughs> and some people got to the point that I ain't going today. So you have to say, what's your worship? What was your focus on? Therefore, we need a war plan on Saturday night. See, on Sunday morning, you come to battle. You come to battle. You come to battle that flesh, which is going to have you focus on that person. Prayer is an important weapon as well as devotional reading. But the main issue is whether we desire for our worship to please God or please me. We cannot worship God in spirit and truth apart from the spirit of truth. So one of the things we need to do on Sunday, my Lord, how do you want this worship service to go? Now, I know tomorrow we're going to be having a family day, mainly focused on outreach. But even with that, even on Sunday morning, even when we give the invitation is the last thing we do, our worship still needs to be focused on God, who can save the sinner and not the sinner. And trust him. Because Jesus left these words. No man can come to the Father except by me. Yeah. So if the, if the Lord ain't drawing them, they ain't coming. Yes. But they're going to have to give an account. Yeah, what we need to be satisfied is, Lord, I did the best I can. Yeah. Because sometimes the Spirit may lead you to share. And sometimes the Spirit may say, stop. Amen. I remember um, sitting um, what is my daycare now and I looked out the uh, window and I saw this um, young man that I normally um, would have feared to approach and the Holy Spirit uh, just told me one word just, uh, just go tell him that I love him and I paused for a couple of seconds but I went out there not knowing the young man's story, didn't even ask his story. Uh, and I said that, and I knew his heart was tender because tears just ran down his eyes. Uh, and that was just one word that he wanted me to say to this young man. And I didn't even, I didn't know him. I went to uh, many churches. Heard a lot of sermons. But it wasn't until Ann Wilcoxon came home one day changed that I began to listen. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit led her not to come home and browbeat me about going to church, but just live a godly wife, godly life as a wife. My mother, the same way, never really said a whole bunch, but they lived a life. So what am I saying to you? The Holy Spirit will lead you to say something, no doubt about it, 
But the Holy Spirit ain't going to lead you to say something that you ain't living. I'm done. I want to thank you all again for these wonderful three nights I had the opportunity. Thank God for Jeff Brothers. I don't have to teach as much. Been learning a lot under him anyway. But I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and stand before you. And I think I'll be teaching next Wednesday. Because I think y'all are going to be out of town, ain't you? Is it Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday after. Hey, Wednesday after. We're going to be looking forward to that. And again, thank y'all so much. If y'all just bow with me. Father, in Jesus' name. We give thanks for these people. I pray your blessing upon them. Play their traveling grace as they leave here. We thank you for the snacks that's in the back. Uh, and I pray it will be uh, nourishing to them as well as enjoyable. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Thank y'all much. Amen. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.